listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. Tennille, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, share deep passion for the snow. They started the podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share... There's an art to travelling with children, and snow holidays will challenge you. Today, we chat to mum of three, Charlene who is well known among her circles for being very organised with finely tuned travel systems to cater for the needs of her very different children. Whether those needs are nutritional, sensory or organisational, she has it all. We'll talk ski school, accommodation necessities, snow clothes, transfers and much more. So grab a pen and let's hit it. Hey, Shah, how's it going? Good, thanks, Emma. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Hello, Shah. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Shah is our really great friend that we love to ski with. Tell us more about yourself, (laughs) Shah. Well, where does one begin? Um, um, In a quick nutshell, I'm an avid skier, love skiing, been skiing a really long time. Uh, I've got three kids, currently one's 17, one's 15 and one's eight. Um, Skied around here, there and everywhere and done a few trips with you ladies as well. Yes. Yeah. So we got you on today because we've been skiing with our kids since they were pretty much, you know, I don't know, six months old, I guess, all of them. Um, I have two, Emma has four. Um, so it's been, we've got quite a bit of experience with skiing with kids. We get this question quite a lot on our Instagram of like, tell us more about how to ski with kids and what ages are best. I don't know if there's a best age to ski with kids. We'll go through that a bit today, I guess. But yeah. Um, so Shah, when did you start your first trip with your kids to the snow? Oh, well, I'm trying to remember because we lived overseas when my older two were younger and I feel like maybe when they were three, four years old, we first probably did Perisha with the kids, Um, maybe a little bit older, but they were young. Yeah. They weren't easy. They were young and I don't think they could ski properly. Like, yeah, they couldn't ski properly then and they were in daycare, uh, the ski school. Daycare. So did they do, did they offer skiing for your kids then or is it just pure daycare and they kind of were stuck in the corner? No, that's a long time ago. So if I remember, I think it was just with how Parisha works, it's the under a certain age, they just are stuck in the daycare room yep. and they'll take the little ones out for snow familiarisation, like just playing in the snow, which I liked because it's not me dragging the kids out in the cold. <laughs> um, they don't connect me to mum, maybe do this. Um, but then I feel like when they were able, maybe four or five, they were allowed to do just out the back of that daycare thing, they could do like the little skis on the whirly thing. Yep. Um, and then maybe when they were five, they were allowed out the front of the little, what's that little front thing at Perisher called? <laughs> I can't think. 
The, um, the snow later, whatever it is. Yeah, the, the, that fun yeah. one where you muck around on at the end of the day. Um, the They took them out there for that basic learning to ski from memory in the daycare. It was more than what I was willing to do with my kids because I've learnt not to try and teach my kids to ski. My patience only goes so far. <laughs> you, hear, you hear lots of people say, I'm not going to take my kids to the snow until they're a bit later, or until they're a bit older. And like you're saying, what I'm picking up, and we had the similar experience, was take them as soon as they can, but just hand them over so you're not dealing with the nightmare element, which is they're fighting you because they don't want to wear certain things, just yeah. take them straight into the ski school and hand them over and just get them over. I call it the pain threshold. Get them as much as possible to that over that pain threshold. Totally, totally. I like it is, and each, as everyone will know, everyone's children, each of their own children, each child has a different characteristic, personality. They're little things. One hates gloves. One will hate the goggles. One hates the helmets. One hates the feeling of the boots. One doesn't like their ski gear. And I'm just like, I love skiing. And for me, dealing with all of that, I'm like, not today, Tiger. That's the ski school's issue. And I find they whinge a lot less when they're in the ski school daycare. Um, so I can drop them off, say, here's my child. You deal with all their issues today because I need to be on the snow and ski and do what I love. And hopefully over time they'll get through all those painful stages, as you said, Emma, and then they can join a scheme when they're a bit older. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the clothes, which is really interesting because that that kind of seems to be a deterrent for some people, I think, to take their kids because they're like, oh, what do we buy them? What do we wear? But it's easy, hey? Like when you go shopping for your kids under five, there's a lot of options out there in Australia to find stuff. The gloves are there, the shoes are there. Would you spend, what do you do? Do you just buy neutral clothes, neutral colour, because you have boys and girls? Um, well, Mia was quite easy because she wasn't a fussy child, but generally we would always get hand-me-downs or borrows from friends, mm-hmm. um, do the circuit, um, or I'd get on Gumtree. I'd try and be savvy with my spending because you know that, they're only in that for that season, then they grow the next season. So I would try thermals, I'd always do neutral colours um, and socks. Um, but the rest, I would try and just do hand-me-downs. Um, yeah, from girls, like I get my hand-me-downs to you, to Billy. Yeah. And yep. yeah. 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 One thing I noticed with um, Billy when she was in that young age group, let's call it maybe, let's even call it eight and under or seven and under, was that when I would put her into ski school and she was, we always liked them to be in the one-piece suit, she would always wear the pants and it, it took us the longest time to figure out that ski school is going to put their ski school bib with the name of the ski school over the one-piece yes. suit. Yes. Then they're going to come in and they literally cannot figure out how to take the bib off and the ski suit. So they just either wet their pants in fright or because they don't can't take busting. it off, or, <laughs> or they're busting, and or they can't take everything off, even over their um, yeah. thing. So I learned that way too late. That probably the days that they're in ski school, put them in a two piece, so they don't have to Definitely. do their button. Yeah, yeah. And because you've got to remember too, with a one piece, even as an adult, <laughs> you've, you've got to get there fast. Trying to take <laughs> that one piece off, it's not easy. So for a little one under seven. 
you know, they're busting, they're busting, and they've probably been holding on the whole time they're on the mountain because, um, yeah. you know, the teacher's like, yep, we're all going for a toilet break in half an hour. By the time they get there, you're right, get the bib off, get the one piece off, and you've got to take all the thermals off. <laughs> it's it's pretty um, intense, but that yes. is a good point, Emma. <laughs> and also you have to have a bag, like a spare bag with Yep. Spare, like spare undies. I learned that the hard way without one of our sons. Spare undies because you know we kept getting the call when we're in America. He's done a poo. Um, <laughs> spare undies and spare thermals and some snacks and spare gloves. Don't you spare reckon? gloves, spare socks, spare beanie, <laughs> spare yeah. spare child. <laughs> spare gloves I reckon are key because they get so cold. They play in the snow. They want to touch yep. it. That's what they do. That's what they do. Spare gloves. And if you're staying in the wrong place, you know, or it's lunchtime and they're already drenched, they're going to be freezing and then the whinging starts. So the yeah. more prepared you are with the Definitely. more um, equipment <laughs> that yeah. you're logging I mean, from until your kids are like 15, you're a, you're a horse, you're a clothes horse anyway, aren't you? You carry yeah. everything on your back anyway for yeah. them. So we, we tended to do, and we still even did it now, like this year when we are in Canada, I had a ski a spare pair of gloves that was for snow play only and the other Mm. set was for skiing only. And I used to say to Flynn, don't play in the snow. Like I sounded a bit rude and like a crazy mother, but don't play in the snow on those gloves because in Canada you don't have drying rooms like here in Australia. So it's really hard to get your stuff dry unless you want to lug it all down to the laundry and pay four bucks a load every time. We were like, these are your snow play gloves. And these are your skiing gloves. So we had one sopping wet pair and one medium wet from skiing pair to keep yeah, our true. life a little happier. Because they do get sopping wet, and we're talking, we're not, and we're not talking cotton gloves here or gloves that you buy from Big W. We're actually talking real ski gloves. Because yep. you do stuff. real ski gloves, especially in Canada when it's minus ten, minus fifteen. Yep. You know. But in Australia, but, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter as soon as you're wet and you're in minus something or even plus three. Freezing. They're still freezing for these little for their little hands. Oh my and God. then they whinge because they're at that age when they ski with you and they're whinging because their hands are cold. And you're like, I told you not to play with all the snow until you get home. <laughs> you will not have fun on this holiday. <laughs> no fun on the lifts, no fun in the lines. Don't touch the snow. Oh, I found as well, like, don't you reckon girls that, like, it's good to put some chocolate in their pockets for yep. bribes, get them through the day or... Um, you know because they're active all day it's like okay you can whatever works to get them to ski school you can have whatever you want when you come out of there or chocolate in each pocket or um all that kind of stuff so your top tip on ski school right because a lot of people it's like the police they they go oh the police don't i'll take you to the police if you get in trouble i feel like it's like i'll take you to ski school if you're naughty i don't think that's the right avenue to go with a ski school, do you do you reckon? Because you don't want them to hate ski school. You want them totally. to Totally. We used to say you've got to go to ski school so you can get so good you can ski with mum and dad. Uh, great. Because that's great. their they want to ski with us. And we're like, well, the more you go to ski school, the better you'll get. And and it, and it has paid off. Like in Canada, yeah. my kids skied with us, the big two. Oh, well, even Flinny did even the Flinny, whole yeah. time because their skills allow them to now because we push 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 ski school yeah yeah I agree I think it's a I think it's such a I mean like going not taking my ski instructor background but I also put my kids in ski school too because there's no way they were listening to me like no, they listen, listen to, to their parents you can't yeah. even get them to tidy their room how are they going to listen to me on the mountain oh, sorry, yeah sorry. it's it's, a, it's a no brain we do that too Emma we pack the snacks and I think 
for any parent that isn't experienced with ski school, I would say always pack a little muesli bar, pack a little whatever floats your boat with your kids and whatever you choose. But sometimes they don't get food or something happens and they don't get their hot chocolate break and they get hungry and they're cold. If they know they've got that little Mars bar or little Smarties or muesli bar or whatever it is that floats their boat in their pocket, they can eat it and you feel better as a parent going, oh, are they hungry? Did they get stopped? You know your kids have got a little snacky time in their pocket yeah. and they can yeah. snack away and be okay and not pick them up at the end of the day and they're devastated and mortified. They had the worst day on hungry all day. And you think, oh, gosh, how am I going to get them back next day? Okay, we got snacks in our pockets. Yeah. I think as well um, I noticed that because the ski school can often offer hot chocolate and like hot chips or nuggets or whatever and then they might have a lemonade or something by the time if all the adults have had a good day and you want to go and have an upright drink it was helpful for me to put fruit in that those bags because then they can be that you can push them out for one extra drink at the end of the day because they're sitting there eating yeah apples you know and if they're just having another sugary or fatty snack they're starting to they start to lose it they're on the come down. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you have to feed them more with more Coke. No, I'm only joking. My kids aren't allowed to drink Coca Cola. <laughs> they are now. They're old now, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's like that. It, it is very true, Emma. And it also, that is a really important thing. Where you're staying, if you're staying on snow, it's not so bad. But if you're staying somewhere where you're waiting for your shuttle to pick you up and you've got to wait half an hour and you've got tired ski school kids, you've got to whip out the snacks. Yeah. yeah for sure it just feels even mentally it just feels like a band-aid like yeah. even if it's just like okay they've got a muesli bar and an apple in them and I just gave them some water yeah we're good everyone's okay yeah <laughs> yeah and you can tell them that too you can re- reassure them we are all okay you've eaten and you've been watered yep. <laughs> it's fine it's better watered move along nothing to <laughs> see move along yeah, yeah it's true because like the you know they um, it is if you're not a skier it would be quite daunting because you know they've got to walk in their ski boots they've got to walk in they've got to have their gloves they drag them they drag everything so when you are planning for a holiday overseas what yep. talking about accommodation ski in ski out is that your best option or? It is for me and my family and I feel like it would nearly be the best option for most families but if you've got a non-skier in your family, they might want somewhere where they're more in touch with the local village and things. But for me and my family, ski in, ski out is like the only way to go. And sometimes ski in, ski out might be a two-minute walk to yeah. a lift that gets you up the hill, which is still okay. Um, but for me, when booking a holiday, skiing, ski out or easy, where I don't have to rely on someone to get me to the mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, or get in a car. Like if I go, it's all right. So to, you know, like in Whistler, um, it's kind of the village at the bottom and it's sort of ski in, ski out or it's a four-minute walk. Like I wouldn't want to yeah. be walking my boots and skis to get to me to the lift to get me up the mountain. Yeah, it's the skis that are the issue too, I think. You know, kids can kind of, it's, you know, we haven't even mentioned you've got to carry them. Our kids, mm-hmm. you have to teach. I reckon that's a top tip. Teach your kids to carry their own skis and how to totally. do it. <laughs> totally. You can take them quickly because there's nothing more annoying when you've got all your ski gear on, you're sweating and you're hot and they're whinging they can't carry their skis and you're just like oh okay and also the other thing is when you're walking from your accommodation is 
I just found I had to monitor, is this particular kid of mine one who I can get away with them wearing their ski boots because they're yes. old and hand me down, handed down like four times and at the end of their life. So it doesn't matter if they chip a bit at the front eventually. Or is this my kid that I have to put in the upright boots because they're going to get funny about their toes? Yes. And therefore... I also find that because all the APRO boots are hand-me-downs and we haven't spent a lot on them, if they're wearing their APRO boots to where they put their boots on and their skis on, then we just chuck the APRO boots in the corner and if yes. somebody wants to steal them, good luck to them. Yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Every, as I said before, every child in our family has different issues <laughs> and you, you've got to learn what child can you can get away with, with what, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. There is lockers at a lot of yeah, the totally. resorts. There's yes. a million lockers at a lot of resorts. You just have to know where they are. That's probably a lot of research before you go. Mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like where the lockers are, so you can put yeah. the upgrades in, or you can put their snacks in, or you can put the additional, yeah. you know, whatever they need in there. It's yeah, it's a really good idea to. Yeah. Not yeah. I, would, I would say that people at Perishart that have to commute up the tube, yeah, whack on the upgrade boots and use that locker for the upgrade boots. Because yeah. that tube, if you're standing in the line, the end of the yes. day, even at the start of the day, you're going to get more more day out of your kids standing at the ski tube lines, whichever end, in comfy upray boots. Yep. Pop the ski boots over your shoulder in a backpack. Um, mm-hmm. Leave them in the locker because your day gets a whole lot easier if you, if, depending on where you're staying and how you're going to get to and from the mountain. Yeah. The other thing is um, we when we were in Japan in January, you might have to also call ahead to your resort, ski resort, and, and just <laughs> sounds weird, but just say do, where are your lockers? Do you have lockers at the bottom of the, the lifts? Yes. And do they take only cash? Because when we were in Hakuba, the lockers, there were plenty of lockers, and we got there and it was everything was perfect, but we didn't have coins. There was no money-changing thing. The only money-changing was down at the base of the village which we just walked up so we chucked the upright boots in an empty locker and then when we came back there was a sign saying come to the top office and pay for your locker oh, and, wow. and we went up there and they literally held our boots hostages hostage <laughs> and we were like but the whole point was we didn't have coins otherwise yeah. we would have put them in the locker well, you're, not, so, you're not on the scam. Yeah. You to pay, but yeah, it's yeah. just gotta be just be gotta be organized. Yeah. Yeah, organized. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of that kind of planning ahead. All these little tips uh just make your day with kids, don't they? Yeah, like, they really do. Yeah. And when you were in Japan, what did you bring food from Australia? When we went to Japan, um, we all went together as a as a team. <laughs> With yeah. our kids. A long, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Fun for Arno, far out. But, you know, like I bought a couple of snacks in my bag from Australia because I know Georgia is really particular on food. <laughs> you know, she's like, only give me white stuff. So, and and it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Charles lasagna. No, but, but it was like, so, because I couldn't find the snacks that I wanted in Japan for Georgia. So that was a really good thing that I'm glad I did. And I took definitely. To and I also took Australian wine because that was also good for me. It was cheap and nice. Couldn't yeah. find that in Japan mm-hmm. either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found like it's the same thing as, you know, we were saying before, like I just have noticed like you're watching your individual kids with the eagle eye going, all right. Well, remember when we were all in Ferrano, our kids were fussy about food and stuff. But this time I was looking at Billy, who's about to turn 10, going, like we can we can eat at the 7-Eleven because there's no food available at our hotel and we can 
you know, we just try to choose the healthiest thing and, you know, an orange juice or, or something like the best of a bad lot of choices or whatever. Yes. But but I think last time they were way, when they were much younger, they were way fussier with the Japanese food. So it was yes. hard. Yeah. So I didn't bring any Australian food with me. No. Yeah. So, no, it, so it depends I, on the age when you travel then, I guess. Yeah. Well, I remember when we were all in Ferrano, like Flynn was only two. So that was full on. And he's a my little wonderful eater. But I, re- I don't know if you remember, Emma, we'd walk down to the 7-Eleven and go, okay, it's dinner time and feed the kids yakitori <laughs> sticks and sushi rolls and 7-Eleven egg lettuce sandwiches because everyone was starving and everyone was too tired to walk and sit in a restaurant or could the restaurant fit us or the restaurant didn't want us in there. And then I would buy more food to leave in our little bar fridge in our, in our hotel mm-hmm. room because we didn't have catering facilities. Because yeah. kids would wake up starving in the morning and I'm like, here, have a cold yakitori stick or here, have a, lettuce, a salad, you know, egg salad sandwich because when they wake up, they're starving. Well, luckily Japan's 7-Eleven and their Circle K and all those Lawson, all those what we would call like, what are they, uh, their convenience stores, yeah. um, it's it's a whole other level better than Australian ones. Oh. Although ours are, you know, if we're stuck in the same thing, we could still probably give them cheese and lettuce sandwiches and sushi now from Australian convenience stores, but that they actually have vegetables and, like, yeah. I would say a whole another level of healthiness. So you yeah. can actually, like we did in Huckaba for an entire week, we just ate breakfast every morning from one of those convenience stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now they're old enough, you can send them down the road to do it themselves. Pick your own <laughs> yeah. Choose your own adventure for breakfast, kids. So in Japan, like so, it's different. Like wherever you ski in the world, Europe doesn't really Europe doesn't really have a lot of kitchenettes in theirs. They're all kind of okay. you know yep. hotel rooms and stuff. Where in Japan doesn't have a lot of kitchenettes, but in Canada and America, you can get kitchenettes everywhere in your yep. rooms, and you can get a full kitchen or you can get a kitchenette. You've done both, Shah, in your mm-hmm. holidays, and with three kids, does a kitchen is a kitchenette suffice? Like, does it work? Or for me, it's a kitchenette's fine. Um, a kitchenette's not a full kitchen. I should have explained that. It doesn't have an oven. Like oh right, biggest thing. So your kitchenette. If I had two, I could make it work, but I would prefer an oven. Yeah. Um, for us, it's a big priority when choosing accommodation to have some kind of cooking facilities. Um, a fridge that can fit more than four cans of beer. Um, <laughs> and have our survival basics, breakfast food, eggs, toast, butter, cheese. I, we need to cook. Yep. Um, not only just for cost saving but health, like you get over and the kids get over it too. Everyone just wants to eat breakfast in their pyjamas yeah. um, and chill a bit because the rest of the day is full on go, 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 go skiing. And generally you kind of eat on the mountain for lunch, which we also tried to avoid. I'd do a super stew, try and do a meal prep practice. So everyone could just lock into the room, grab lunch and go back out skiing if they wanted. And those that didn't want to go back out skiing could sit and heat up their soup and watch TV or just chill a bit for the rest yeah. of the day. But for me, a kitchen is nearly a must these days. Yeah. With big kids or little kids. Big yeah, kids, I think big so kids need feeding even more. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm not as a uh, proficient chef as Shah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my stuff comes out of the box, but no. Just need to know that to be heated. <laughs> but, <laughs> it does. But I definitely still, like, I recommend definitely some type of kitchenette. Like, if I don't have an oven, it's a, it's not a deal breaker for me. No. I definitely, I definitely do exactly that. You need to have... You don't want to wake your kids up at seven to take them down to the cafe downstairs to get or you six know. in my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because you're on the hill at the first first skis. First glyphs, yeah, yeah. What Emma? What about you? How'd you go in Japan? Yeah, you had to yeah I was just I was just thinking about that. We had three weeks, three different locations. The first week we had breakfast available in the hotel, and then we ate out lunch and dinner so that was okay the kids could go and have breakfast in their pjs so i think that's really important with the kids just that like not rushing out the door early for everyone's sanity because that's what uh, we do every day when they're at home you know we do that yeah that's day. right yeah and you're on your holiday yeah. I think. yeah and then the other two weeks we had yeah we had to buy breakfast lunch and dinner and i was constantly being the mum eyes i was assessing everyone going Geez, they're doing well. They are really doing well. Like for the fact that they're having a lot of sushi, they're having sandwiches. There's not a lot of fruit in Japan. There's, you know, you can get a bit of fruit salad. Um, but, you know, you're constantly monitoring their nutrition and going, they had enough water and stuff. And so I would say my kids are like all of our kids we're talking about, but if you've got a family where your your kids are not used to travelling a lot or they've got particular yeah. food allergies or um, I don't know sensitivities. You, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe Japan. Like, really research your accommodation. We try and do it yeah. on the smell of an oily rag, so you kind of get what you pay for. So it's yeah. our traveling is tough traveling. It's like mm. it's hard going. Like the the guy, the the owner of the hotel wouldn't give us coffee because we we hadn't told him each day that we were going to be at the next day's breakfast by 10 a.m because we're already up the snow up the slopes by 10 a.m so we had to walk all the way to the end of Hakkaba to get a coffee so stuff like that like if if you're too um like for us that was slightly annoying on the scale of things but someone else would have lost it yeah Yeah. you're very easygoing there is options there's like a club med in Japan that you can get everything involved and that's you know if that's what you need that's that's probably where you should go where yeah. do you guys go to research for your family holidays? Do you just do you go to a travel agent? Do you ask me? Do you ask someone that's skied before some in that place? How do you do your research? Uh, for me personally, you guys, we always bounce off each other, um, and I also ask other people that I know have been there and holiday like us. Like we we don't need you know, five, five, five-star gold-plus accommodation, but we don't want the worst of the worst of the worst. We're happy with middle range. And I always ask people that I know, like, well, do you wear shoes to that restaurant? Do you wear your walking shoes, snow walking shoes? Or, you know, can you just get away with trackies for breakfast in that lodge breakfast thing? Or do you, you know, so I tend to ask you guys all those kind of questions because I know you travel fairly the same we're all bendy flexible people or I ask other families I know that have been there I try and look up on some snow forums but sometimes they can be very um manipulated yeah Yeah. Um, well and it's funny um and it depends on what style your family is like we um 
you know, when we were in Japan, we went and had drinks with some people who were staying in a beautiful hotel in Hakuba. And when I walked in the foyer, I had this feeling of like, gosh, this is nice. Man, travelling would be really easy if, we, if I was staying at this hotel. Um, you know, so I, I guess sometimes people think, oh, um, I hate skiing or I hate, like, I hate dragging my kids around or whatever, but there you can make it so easy for yourself. The the more money you want to spend, totally. <laughs> I guess. Totally. Yeah. It is mm. true. It is true. It is, that's definitely true in skiing. The more money you ski, the more money you spend, the more luxuries you get. That's right. <laughs> in, Which in, can in, really, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and that can really alter your experience. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And yeah. I would nearly, like, if I knew a family, like, actually, a family came to me, asked me about Japan. And I said, have you guys skied before? And I no. I said, go to one of the club meds because I just feel like that will give you a really positive yes. first-time skiing experience. You don't have to yep. lug all your gear over. Like these people have nothing, no, yep. you know, no ski gear, never skied, never touched snow. I'm like, yep. wow, go club med in Japan because that's going to make your life really easy and give you a very positive ski experience. And then they can map their way out. Oh, if we go again, we saw all these other places we wouldn't mind trying, you know, opens them yeah. up slowly. Yeah. And then the next step after that for that kind of a skier would be go to go to a travel agent, someone like Tanil, yes. and get them to organise everything yeah. for you. Don't try and do it Emma style and do everything yourself. <laughs> Yeah. You will, unless you enjoy that yeah you know? so it's stepping steps isn't it yeah well for us we have never skied in Canada so obviously I went straight to Tanil and said hey we want to go to Canada talk me through it and you know I suggested a few mountains and Tanil's like I know your guys level of skiing I just don't think that's the kind of skiing you'll enjoy at that xyz mountain and I said and Tanil knows that we like um more middle vibe and that we like a family-friendly kind of, we don't want to be all in pretentious hotels, but we want grounded, normal things. We also mm-hmm. wanted kitchenettes and with Autoneal's knowledge on the ground, it made it easy for us to get our info that we needed okay. and travel okay. times and what days to, like even a family holiday can be changed and have a positive negative experience. Why not travel on the busiest day that's known on that particular mountain? So travel on a Saturday, change mountains on a yep. Saturday, transfer on a Saturday because that's the busiest day in mountains. And you guys don't like standing in lines, so travel on the Saturday. Mm. And another thing for us was, again, with Tanil's service, we get to Silverstar and Sun Peaks and she's there with our lift tickets. Hey, guys, tomorrow when you ski, here's your lift tickets. You know, those kind of things make it super easy. For a family, and we're quite a family that can do all that stuff on our own, but it's just so much easier knowing, right, Tanil suggested stay here. She knows we like these type of food. She suggested these restaurants. Go here to get your ski hire if you need high stuff. Don't go there for that. Those kind of things for a family make it super easy. And the for us, for Canada, Tanil had all that knowledge, so it made it super duper easy for us thanks that's all right but and as I said we're a pretty low-key easygoing family yeah but we just wanted a holiday where we went bang this is what we want this is where we want to go what do you suggest take someone else's you know that's what I find a lot of people want from their family because for their for their holidays they don't 
they don't necessarily need to want to make all the decisions because <laughs> every day you have to make a decision, you know, right. maybe 15 decisions. So if one of those or five of those decisions be, can be taken from you, then that's a holiday to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's fun. It's it's fun. And you know what? I love it. I love, I do love helping people make their holidays better. Through, yeah. you just, it's a process of elimination, isn't it, really? Like you can go, oh. like the other day I was having a conversation with a man and he's like, oh, I want to go to... Banff and I and he go and goes, we don't like to ski. You know, we don't like to drive to this resort. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, if you stay in Banff, every resort is 40 minute drive from you. So you have to, that's not the right place for you. And he's like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. So I yeah, think yeah. the more conversations you have with different people, Definitely. and especially mm. different age children, because someone yeah. might have been there, you know, when they're they might have 15 year olds now, but they might have been there with three year old kids and gone, oh, yeah. probably once away from that one. Yeah, I reckon as well on, on in the same theme, there's two other elements that I always notice is I always take it into account the person I'm speaking to, are they easygoing or yes, very important. have high needs slash high maintenance? Yeah. Like if I'm speaking to someone and they they only ever travel five star and um I don't know, like they they have Locked you know, they have a good budget and everything. I need to take that into account because that may not apply to me. If I'm trying to, you know, what's the cheapest way to travel Japan and somebody says, well, we used our Epic Pass over in Hakkabara and we caught the train, I'm also going to take into account if I think those people are quite easygoing and high maintenance. Like I need to take yes. into yeah. Yes, it's really important. Otherwise I'm going to make a decision based on something that doesn't relate to me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you should research what relates to what your family wants for a holiday. Like if you go yes. over there and you all of a sudden like, oh, okay. And I, and I mean, I think the biggest thing with that, with accommodation, it's really expensive in America, but doesn't expensive doesn't mean amazing. That's right. <laughs> it can still mean yes. like pretty average run of the mill, but it's expensive for us because you're looking at the dollar or you're looking yep. at, you know. So just because you pay a lot, doesn't mean you're going to get a lot. A lot. So yeah. you've really got to research into that as well. You just can't look at the price point and go, that's going to be amazing because it probably won't be in yeah. America. I'm, well, yeah. I'm talking the big resorts. I'm talking, talking your Vales, your Aspens, your yeah. Colorado, like kind of your Utah resorts, your Park Cities. Yeah. Do you think that applies as well, Chanel, to Canada? Because you've obviously, mm. I mean, we went to set resorts and yeah. then we got a little taste test of Whistler. Do you think you get more for your money in Whistler accommodation or Canadian accommodation? You get more more for your money in smaller resorts. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you get you will get five star in Fernie, but you will get two star in Whistler. Yeah, for the same price. For the same price. Yes. So yeah, so that, that money goes across the board. So then you know but, but in Fernie, you know, you're not gonna get the, the twenty restaurants to choose from. You're going That's to have right. three yep. and you're going to be skiing not as massively, amazingly groomed because they yes. don't have the money that Whistler yes. has. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And also Whistler, Whistler, you're paying more so maybe your accommodation is smaller but then you're, if if you want to go to Whistler, you might be wanting to go out at night and, yes. you know, you can walk around the village whereas like when we stayed for a month at um, uh, Big White, we were cooking every day in our apartment and it was at the time, not that many places to go out. There wasn't as much to do, yes. but the place was huge. So yes. it's like, do you want to go out and have a good time at night and get babysitters and get nannies or is are you staying somewhere that doesn't have nannies like Japan? 
um, you know, oh, we should really mention that I was as well. Gonna, I was about, just about to say yeah. that, Emma. That is such a key with skiing with kids, like going on holidays. Yes, there is no option. Like there's not a op- lot of options for babysitters and not a lot of options for nannies. Like even in daytime, you know, under under threes in Japan or in Canada mm. is okay, but it's not, you know, like they're set up for it in, in Canada and and um, North America. I'm not really sure about Europe. We don't really talk a lot about Europe, but um, I think Europe is probably a holiday only because it's so far away that you want to go when they're a bit older, the kids. I'm yeah. Thinking, I'll, I'll unless you've got family that you need to go and see. And you ski as a tag on? I don't know. It's not really a destination yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, we're looking into. We're actually going. We're booked to go to Europe next year, but we're not going with the kids because Ooh. we're just going to go us because we're kind of thinking the kids are to the point where they like like we we need the holiday. We want we we want to not have to think about kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you, Emma. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, but they're also kind of like they want it. They, if we say, oh, we're thinking of going X, Y, Z, they'll now say, who are we going with? And it's like so they're looking. It's not like when you're little, when the kids are little and you can go anywhere just yourself. They're, with teenagers, now they want to know what friend they can yes, stay with, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're like, well, well, so, yeah, so that's, sorry, that's a key point going back to, like, kind of the babysitting. So we used to go together as a group when they were under 10, so all the kids would be safe together. So yes. we hire one person to look after the 10 kids. Yep. <laughs> poor person. The poor, poor person. <laughs> but that's all you could find. You couldn't yes. find. There's there's no options for, I mean, if you want to be a babysitter in any town, I think you'd make a bloody great. That's right. Yeah. And I've yeah. sort of experienced that. When we went to Japan and Flinny was two, the others were nine and 11 or something, I can't even remember. And, Emma, you and I would take turns watching the little people um, because we struggled with daycare and looking after the kids. And it was hard at night in Japan because as adults we all wanted to relax, kick back and socialise, but our kids were still that little bit too little to leave alone in a hotel room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really... And Emma, you speak the language, the local language, and we still struggled to find someone that could help us. Yeah, you're both. There's not. There's no industry. There's no babysitting industry yeah. in Japan. That would be a really good business for someone who wants to do that. But yeah. that, you're basically um, still a bad mother if you want yeah. to have a good time at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, um, and it was good though because all our kids, when we were in Japan, we could all the adults could congregate in one room and get our social thing happening and all the kids could be feral in another room and do whatever kids all do together. And then <laughs> this year when we were in Canada, we had to kneel your girls with my big two, the teenagers, let's call them, or young adults, um, that could all entertain, they could all ski together, hang out together. And then I had Flinny who yeah. was sort of on his own, but fortunate enough we had another family with kids Flynn's age that he could play with. Yeah. Um, and ski with and these things I believe are really important if we, well for me and my husband we, we, we need to socialize when we can't you know it's nice to have family time but we also need ski with friends time because that's what skiing is to us is skiing with family and friends and the kids yeah but also to say okay kids especially in some peaks when we went to some peaks years and years ago the kids were little and I always said to Ben when they're teenagers, I can't wait to come back here because I feel like it's a really safe mountain for them to go off skiing on their own. I feel safe. And then when we went back this year, they could do that 
And we even let Pliny ski up and down the front little valley at some peaks with his other little friends his age because we could call to see them. We knew it was a safe mountain. Yeah. Um, and the big kids could go be big kids with their friends. I could see my friends. Um, but it's definitely something you need to take into account. Um, in Whistler, I had friends um, that do it nearly a month in Whistler and they've just found a local babysitter. So they, because they've got younger kids, they could actually go out at night. Um, but they couldn't really do that until they found a babysitter. So these are all really wherever you travel, whatever country, you need to find out, well, we like to go out for a nice dinner. Who's going to look after my kids if they're too little to look after themselves? And or and, teenagers, do they have friends to hang out with so they're not now here every single day? Yeah. And um, I would say you can probably find um, babysitters now on these local kind of forums, you know, specific to the resorts. Found hers, yeah. Yeah, we, we looked at Craigslist, which is like pre Wow. Which is like pick up a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> that was so long ago. That's all you had. Well, it is true. It is true. Like, gosh, I mean, yeah, because you are over there and you do trust your, you trust your kids with people because you do want a night out because it is your holiday too. But yeah, I think if you if you if you're fortunate enough to have families that do ski, try and do holidays together with them because I think it does make it makes everyone's holiday better. Like the kids are not whinging, yeah. you're not whinging, you know, adults not whinging. I mean, this it sounds like these ski holidays are, a, are horrible things to do, but they really well, I, mean, I, think, I think we would all admit that ski holidays can, they can be really tough if you don't get the logistics right. And that's why we're going through the logistics now because, you know, if you've got a pen and paper and you want to write down, you know, where where what what all these elements are talking about are, We've got what a combined. We've done this for what's whatever the maths on that is. Like we've nailed all these things. But yeah. you imagine if you if you're starting out and you've got like a two and a three year old and you're going, oh, I'm just going to go here and you don't put a lot into it. You can be far Ooh. away from your ski lifts. You don't have any spares. You don't spare anything. You don't have snacks. Your yeah. your kids are, you know, I mean, like Japan. I would say I agree. Just going back to that shuttle bus. In Japan, you want to make your travel days the Saturday and the Sunday, same as you guys found, because mm. Saturday and Sunday, everybody's heading out from Tokyo and from the other capital cities. And the, uh, sometimes on the Saturday, Sunday, I'll just go, oh, my God, this is just a waste of time standing in a line. Whereas if they had travel days, that's great. You're not missing anything. Sightseeing yep. days, go and see your monkeys, snow monkeys days. <laughs> and just yep. ski during the week because that that will drive you nuts as well. Um yep. Yeah, and and also the whole shuttle bus thing as well. Like, take your snacks, take your food. Make sure your, your kids are well fed before they get on that shuttle bus. Because oh, yeah. if that long distances between A and B, that's another yeah. nightmare. Whatever age your kids are. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going from Miyoko to Seki for the day, or if you're going from Hakkabar yeah. to Cortina for the day, it's still a quite a long trek for the day. I mean. If you've only yeah. ever skied Australia, you only go up, you know, up to Jin- from Jindy to Perisher or Threadbow, you know, not massive. Yeah. If you skied in New Zealand, same thing if you yeah. ski in New Zealand. We haven't even mentioned New Zealand, you know. You've got to be prepared in New Zealand because there's no skiing ski out in New Zealand from Queenstown and Wanaka. You've got to have that sorted as well. I reckon the top three things I look for before I plan, like, a new destination, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a new destination with kids, like, you know, I'm going to look for safety first. So are they going to be, whether they're under five or over five or teenagers, I'm going to go, okay, is, 
is all is everything going to lead back to one area? So if they're skiing by themselves, they can get that lift and they're going to get back to a bottom lift and they're going to be safe. If they're skiing to four in the afternoon, they're like, oh, I didn't know that what the time was. Can they get back to base? You know, is it kind of that's my safety? And then I reckon, you know, number two is that the hill itself, is it groomed really well? <laughs> Definitely. Especially, I mean, yeah. I love off-piece. I love powder. There's nothing better than powder. But if you don't have powder, it's shit if you yeah. have shit groomers on the hill. You totally. Know? And that's where yeah. some peaks for me just nailed it because we didn't get much snowfall when we were there. But their grooming is absolutely phenomenal. And also I loved that, like, Tanil, you text me and go, it snowed yesterday. Don't go on this run because it wasn't groomed the day before. And you'd say, you know, da la la And we could say to the kids, don't go down that one because it's going to be a disaster. But I could let them go off and I know they're safe. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I guess, yeah, third one would be food, food. Definitely like, food, yeah. Mm. I, I would have to say as well, just um, coming back to the European resorts because I've been back and forth with a friend who she lives in France and she has a little place um, in one of the ski resorts and she was saying that, they their daily rate is about 80 euros a day like a lot cheaper than what we're used to even in Australia for a day rate and really yeah. good for there's so many little resorts over there that are really good for kids skiing with the kids okay so there are I mean w- when you look at where to go in Europe it's like this it's like a jigsaw puzzle where do you even start but mm. there yeah that, there's lots of little resorts like that good for kids but um I guess I guess the cost of the bigger, like the the bucket list places, yeah. Verbier and Chamonix and stuff. They're my bucket lists. Like I've got to ski at them before I die, kind of stuff. That's why we thought, you know what, kids, you've had a really good run. Um, <laughs> we'll go and do that this time. Um, you know, next time we ski, we'll ski with other families because that's now become with like we're saying like adult um, teenage kids. That's become suddenly very high priority. Yeah. For our older kids whereas before we could just ski as a family and they weren't saying can I have a friend now they're saying I want to ski with a friend yeah that's yeah true. that's true actually yeah 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 and um, our kids are lucky to be have traveled as much as they have in skiing it, it, it is an expensive sport and we go to all ends to make these holidays happen and now like for you Emma being able to go to Europe and ski on your own without the kids the kids are probably gutted but it's like guys you've done well with your travel you hard for something in your life kids that's right and, you know, set that as your goal geez, I, yeah. think how, I think of how many more places Ben and I could have skied on with our budget and what more we could have done without taking the kids but for us skiing is important and it's part of our life and for the kids we're giving we've given them this gift and skill set of learning how to ski well and they can travel the world with that yeah they can yeah. get jobs yeah. in ski resorts and do everything and honestly, I believe, like, you know, they have to travel on the chairlift with lots of people and there's always adults asking them questions, yes, you know, like, like going back to their well-being for skiing now as a skiing as a family, like family holidays. Yep. You let them go on the lifts by themselves and they just, they don't just go up with their mates. There's always someone that's in there and there's always, they always make a conversation or someone's always going to make a conversation with them on the chairlift because, you know, in Canada, North America and everywhere, the chairlifts are 25 minutes long <laughs> so it's a good crack and a good conversation and I think that's really good that you know they they get great communication skills on a chairlift which they probably don't get you know normally if 
you're in a Fiji island. I don't know. Yeah. And I there. find it quite cute. Like when we were in Whistler sitting sitting in the gondolas, the kids would start conversing with adults or like grandparent age people and what they felt was important for them to share with these people when they'd ask questions about Australia and their schools and where they've skied, what they found memorable enough for them to talk to these strangers about about their ski experiences and things like that and I thought gosh this is great what just sitting back and watching and letting the kids take the lead on these conversations is pretty cool as well yeah that's mm, so yeah. true yeah I want to ask you about the role of the laundry because oh. <laughs> I know I'm a bit of a like it's it doesn't I don't have to have access to a laundry but I certainly travel with a little mini thing of um laundry detergent and I'm doing the socks undies and the thermals so Mm. I'm okay with that sort of right up to about maybe two weeks what do you guys think oh I'm a laundry person through and through I always look for a laundry I don't care if I have to pay for it like (laughs) which you do in all resorts but yeah I want a laundry just just because you know especially when they were younger when hot chocolate used to spill all over (laughs) their pants well yeah yeah, so I can't, you know, and it takes, and there's not drying rooms in Canada, so there's no room to actually hang it. You get a fire, you get a fireplace in your room if you're lucky or whatever, you know, but there's a laundry for me is king. <laughs> I would agree. For me, there's five of us, and especially like with smelly teenage boys, you know, we, and we do buy high end thermals because I believe in buying good quality for these kind of things, and you can get away with wearing them for a few days. But you got five people's socks, undies, you know, everyone spills stuff when we're going out to dinner, not necessarily ski clothes. And for me, just the laundry is just an essential accessible item. Well, not item, like to have a, a laundry accessible is a key for me, especially yeah. when we're away for a month. Um, and you can and only take 23 kilos now. You know, totally right. So you can't. I mean, imagine packing enough socks and undies for a whole month. Ooh, you'd need a whole extra aeroplane. But the 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 thing <laughs> is, also you got to add in. You've got to remember how much it costs per load. Like a lot of the places we stayed in Canada, you had to pay was four Canadian dollars, which is probably six Australian dollars per load of washing. Yeah. And then because there's no drying rooms, you got to pay for the dryer. So you got to add that in. But you need for us, we need it. Um, and then going way back when we went to Japan, one of the places we stayed in Furano, there was no laundry. And I remember you, Emma, was washing everything in the shower. And I would load up a suitcase and walk down the street in Japan <laughs> the ice and snow with my suitcase full of dirty laundry. Yes. Down in the icy the streets of Japan. I, I remember that because we'd be at the Apres, we'd be having drinks and be like, where's Shah? Oh, she's in the laundromat. Yeah. Down the road in the ice yeah. and snow with my suitcase, it would have looked so funny <laughs> sitting there. And you know, when your laundry's in your hotel or your accommodation, it's all right, you just chuck it on, set your timer on your phone, and you go back up to the bar, have a few drinks, or play cards with your friends, go back down, rescue your laundry. But in Japan, I just sit in these random freezing cold laundromat <laughs> trying to find coins to operate, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. Yeah. Note to self, never ever stay somewhere without laundry facilities when you're travelling with a family of five. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. I don't, non-negotiable I don't for me now. Yeah. It's like my first thing, does it have a laundromat? <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, I mean, but I'm not like Emma. I don't like hand-washing stuff. I'm like, oh, where's Nana for that? 
I think I, I think I'm like a, a backpacker in a former life. I'm, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't know. Or a, what do you call it? A masochist or whatever. You know, love the love bit of pain. Oh, or yeah. maybe it's just like I know I can squeeze, like I could probably squeeze extra trips from all the money I've saved from like staying in cheaper accommodation and hand washing socks in a yeah. basin and eating seven <laughs> I don't know. It is true. You definitely could have. Like on, on our difference of accommodation in Japan, you could add a five five trips. <laughs> oh yeah. Well accommodation. But Shara and I did stay in a place that, that was so small. There were beds all in one room and the, the bathroom was so tiny and we all just put our luggage in the hallway and sat out in the hallway and put face masks on from Tanil's fancy schmancy um, accommodation. <laughs> yeah, and, and, again, that falls back to Japan don't do drying rooms. So all our boots, like ski boots and jackets and helmets were all stuck in this tiny room, five people's worth of wet sweaty ski gear in a tiny room and we end up lining it up down the corridor to get some kind of air and space yeah. in these rooms because there was just no space because we went yeah. for budget accommodation yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got to say i've got to say japan does do t- drawing rooms but just not that accommodation oh, yeah. right. well yeah. again there's your research there's another key yeah. thing research to research yeah. right? research drying rooms laundries Kitchenettes. Yeah. Um, yeah. These probably with kids, like they're the questions yeah. you want to ask. And like yeah. our, com- yeah, our accommodation in Rosutsu, when Ben and I just went on our own without the kids, that was amazing. Again, there was no drying rooms. There was a place for your skis, but there were no drying rooms, which was fine because it was only his and I's stuff and we could pop the two sets of boots over the, you know, the air conditioning vents. But there was no drying rooms there, but there wasn't laundry. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of, yeah, weigh it up almost. But you do. They are things that you really have to remember. If there's five of you and you're in one hotel room, you are wet at the end of the day. If it's a big yeah. snow day, yeah. it doesn't matter how amazing your jacket is. You know, yeah. you think it, it is. You come home and it is wet. Your gloves are wet. Your helmet's yeah. wet. Your, you know, your face mask is wet. There's a lot of Everything. things to come home. Not saturated, but damp. But you have to dry yeah. it overnight. So you've got to think mm-hmm. about okay. Mm-hmm. You know, budget's budget. I love budget. Yeah. We all do. We've all done it and all been there. But sometimes next little step up, we'll just make it for that little bit more comfort yeah. to be there for a month, you know, yeah. be there for 15 days or whatever. Because, mm. I mean, that's a minimum that most people go if they're going over to Canada or Japan. It's probably a 14-day minimum, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, if you're a hardcore skier like us and our families. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we, we kind of want to go, oh, t- you know, seven days isn't really enough. What would you guys say? Would you say if you're going to go all the distance, how many days are you going to go for your holiday? I I think if, if look, if you don't have kids, you can hit the ground running and do seven days and just wear it. Yeah, wear it. Be tired, eyeballs hanging out, get a good night's sleep. But kids, you got to build in maybe at least an extra day both ends. So I would say no less than ten days on the ground. Yeah, no less. I mean, we've we've tended to do months at a time, like every second year, a month or something like that. Um, a month is great. You can settle in, do a big food shop, all that kind of stuff. Get get a. It's more cost effective, but yeah, no less than ten days with kids. Yeah, yeah. I would say, but like, say perish up, easy, no brainer. You could do two nights, no brainer, easy peasies. But 
when you're getting on a plane and doing Japan, I mean, Japan, I think you could get away with the seven to eight because it's only an eight-hour flight. It's not so taxing. Um, but when you're adding in Canada or US or Europe, you definitely need yeah. a, a fair amount of days. Um, well, And the cost of the flight, you feel like you've got to stay there for a month you know, to get that value for money. Yeah, and putting my travel hat on again, you get the most discounts come when it's a seven when you stay longer than seven days. A yep. lot of them now, like it's early early bird discounts, are stay seven, pay six, and then yep. the longer your lift ticket gets cheaper the longer you yep. stay. So all of those things add up. Yep. We're looking at. I would agree, and for my experience with what we just did in Canada, we had a multi stop holiday, and I wouldn't multi stop for. The minimum multi-stop day I would do would be four or five nights, yeah. um, which is like at least four full days skiing at any given mountain. Yeah. But I liked doing, we did like nearly 10 nights at most places where you could do your big food shop, settle in, meal prep, get some meals made and really settle in. Um, I think. When you're doing multi-stop, make the and as as you said, Tanil, you get a better lift ticket value, um, yeah. as as well. And you can get to learn the mountain. And there's busy days, quiet days, um, and you. But yeah, multi-stop. And I I like minimum four to five ski days, minimum. Yeah, yeah, I do too. For me, so Shah, let's touch on your exciting what you went to Canada for this year. Yes. Your White Christmas. Yeah, that was. was that- that was like a I've done I was fortunate enough to do it when I was little with my family and I've always said to Ben this is I want to give the kids a white Christmas you know and then for two years we were sort of locked in our country and I'm like I'm going on a big holiday (laughs) bugger this we're doing a white Christmas and everyone's like oh you know the snow's not the best in December I'm like I don't care don't care don't care we're going and it was amazing it was absolutely best experience ever um we had christmas in silver star um and it's just so unique to do christmas in a uh, in canada where the lights and the tree it's just everything's christmasy all year round with yeah, the fairy exactly. lights because it's the snow and everything it's just it was just really special to do christmas over there there is a little bit of a logistics trying to um get Santa to work out where to drop the presents and things. Yeah. Um, we've still got one little one that needed presents from Santa. But that was probably the hardest struggle for us and we got a little bit caught out because we thought there would be some shops that we could do some purchases and we couldn't. So it was like a, I think it was like 8 p.m. dash down to Walmart. In the main <laughs> yeah, it was. To go. Well, you kind um, of. Well, your plane got delayed, so that stopped a yes. lot of your planning. And, which was yeah, a- and one thing I would say to people, like we, our flight got cancelled originally and they're like, we were meant to fly out, I think it was the 21st of December, and they're like, flight's cancelled due to the weather over on the Canada side. We can't get you on a flight to the 24th of December. I'm like, no way. I am not missing out on my white Christmas. I'm not sitting on a plane on Christmas Eve. How's this going to work? We're missing out on ski days. So that, and we thought we had allowed enough time Four errors. Yeah. Um, thank God our lady who we booked our flights with got we got on the phone. It was quarter to nine at night before the night before we were meant to fly. She sorted that out and then you helped us with our little logistics with, you know, tickets and things like that. Um, but, yeah, definitely White Christmas, but allow 
time in case there is flight delays and things so Christmas isn't ruined sitting in an airport. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. It is It is a great environment, White Christmas. I think you do. Oh, you do it, you so know. magical. Yeah, it really is. And there's lots of different, and each resort does Christmas different. So it's kind of, you know, it's very, very cool. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, I, I don't know, to wrap it up today, I guess, like, you know, um, Shah, is it easier? Would you have not taken your are you glad you took your kids as early as what you did to scheme? Definitely. I would I would say to any family, if it's in your budget to take the kids, get them on the snow as quick as you can, as young as you can, because it's just like my eight-year-old can ski with us and we we do challenging skiing. Um, where I would put us, I don't know, to new instructor, we're, we're above intermediate skiers. Yep, definitely. Um, and we would um, definitely say get them on the snow as quick as you can because it, it, it is hard, but as we've all said, plan it, talk to people, get the logistics right, make it easy and get those little people on the snow because it pays off as they get older. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I agree. And then, you yeah. know, then, then their equipment doesn't become an issue, does it? They've just grown up with gloves. They've blown up with shoe, like Totally. I remember on, on a ski forum someone said uh, they had a child who had some sensory issues and they're like, how, how, what, what am I going to do here? And I thought, I know because I had one with some sensory issues. I said, don't just dump them at the snow first day of ski school, put the head gloves, beanie, you know, da-da-da, ski boots. I said, just even if you're back in your home in Sydney, put the ski boots on or the walking boots, let them feel it, let them wear it, put the goggles on their little face, put the helmet on their little face, just at home without the whole oversensory of the cold snow thrown into it and all the strangers, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Get them familiar as quick as you can at home even. So on the day when you go, we're going to ski school, they're like, oh, I know this feeling of my gloves. I know this feeling of the boots. I know how yeah. it feels to have goggles on my face. It's it's a lot for even an adult to have all that stuff on, let alone and also, and also if you've got one, the same thing, like that's got um, like really fussy dresser, yes. like Billy is, like I've given her all the hand-me-downs of everyone and then she's gone, I like three on my skin out of six. Yep. And I've thought, God, thank God we're doing this now yes. and not dragging yes. extra things because that, that annoys me when there's something in my luggage and I don't wear it or someone doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And when you go skiing, you have to pack so minimal because the ski gear is bulky and it takes up space and it weighs a lot. So when we went to Canada this year, I literally packed two pairs of jeans and a pair of trackies and a pair of leggings. I was so sick of them by the end of it. I wanted to burn so them. Was like, <laughs> but yeah. you pack for five days. Pack for five days. That's the key. Yeah, Five days packing, you know, that's it. Two kind of three three ski outfits for, and that's it. Like pack yeah. clothes for five days and three three ski outfits. Like I wear my ski outfits for two days probably and then yeah. wash and then two, sometimes yep. three. I don't know. Yep. Depends on the day I've had. But, yeah, it's definitely five-day packing. And, yep. the, you know, they're, they're good. They're easy. Take them skiing if you can, if your budget allows definitely. it. Take them skiing. Get them on snow. It makes life easier as, as they get older if yeah. you want that experience for you and your family. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's true. Um, well, we always end up, Char, with um, our last question on the podcast. Cool. 
Let's do yes. without notice, Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your favourite place to ski in the world? Oh, this is hard. This is so hard. Oh, gosh, I'm going to get chatty about this because I've been to Alaska in Alaska. I've done different resorts in Japan. I've done different resorts in Canada. I've done a bit of the US. And I've been a different level skier at all of those. Oh, yeah. So it changes what I love. But, oh, it's hard. I don't even know. Well, I would say today, thinking back of my most favourite experience was when I went to Resort Sioux in Japan because I learned how to powder ski, tree ski. Yeah. That was one of my most favourites. That's when you turned a corner, I think, Shah. Totally. I just went, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is what it's about. Yep. <laughs> but then, and then that evolves into I just loved skiing in Canada and there, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can pick because Silverstar we had amazing snow and then Sunpeaks was amazing too. Um, Silverstar we got lots of snow. Whistler we didn't get so much snow until the last day and then I went, oh, my God, I absolutely love Whistler now because we actually had a <laughs> snowfall and could actually use and ski Whistler for its mountain, the, the <laughs> large, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give an answer am I the first not to give an answer <laughs> no it's it's no you're not it's hard for everyone because it is it's different fate I've never really thought about it that way we ski different resorts at different stages mm-hmm. in my ski ability and yeah. now my ski ability is so good I'll be like oh I'd love to go back to Alieska now and ski there with my better ski ability yeah um, well you know so, you'll, you'll be on our heli ski tour <laughs> yes I'll be there come in I need a bit more um deep snow skiing practice but then how are you so yeah. yeah I would say for resorts would be one of my most favorite one we didn't have the kids with us <laughs> <laughs> on the family skiing podcast um, but I got to experience tree skiing or a piece of however one would like to call it and I got to experience powder with my better skill set skill set of skiing Love it, love it. You got to understand that freedom of the powder. Yes, yes, <laughs> which That's is right. And now I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go back to all the Canadian resorts we just went to and experience that with extra snowfall and things like that. So I, I just, I don't know if I can have an absolute favorite, but my most mm-hmm. skiing experience and learning and going, this is what it's about, was definitely resort suit. Nice. Love it. One of my favourite resorts. <laughs> well, we've got to go back there, lady. We will. We will. Well, thank you for joining us today, Shah. It was about Thank amazing. you, Shah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, ladies. It was kind of fun. Really fun. Well, let's I always uh, listen to all your podcasts. I never thought I'd be on one. So what are ah, you what's your favourite episode with us? <laughs> oh, now that's, oh, I like, I, I like listening, I guess because I listen as a, friends and go oh yeah yeah I remember all that when we talk about that so I loved listening to your tips about Parisher and the difference between Parisher and Fredbo because I could really relate to that and go yeah they nailed that but I also loved listening to your episodes when you speak to athletes I, I really love that because that's taking where you could go or your yeah. kids if your kids came to you saying mum I want to be in Austin I go oh I remember listening even when you I loved talking um what's the curling the the two lovely strain athletes, the curling people. I, loved, I felt like I knew them when I watched them compete because I made sure I watched them <laughs> yes. compete when the Olympics came around, the Winter Olympics. I was like, oh, I love that episode. I felt I knew them too. When I watched them, I felt like 
Oh, like a proud mum watching. Them. <laughs> yeah, I know. We we kind of feel like that at the athletes. We've got more athlete interviews coming up, so we like. Yeah, and I love that because it's it's a big diversity mm. of. I know you ladies are family and skiing, and it's your love and passion. But it also shows where love and passion can go into a uh, athlete professional mm. side of things. So I did love that I, too. I I do love on top of that. I do love when we interview our Paralympians because I love learning. I think yes. it's so helpful for everyone to learn even simple things like um, when, um, oh, I don't know, different different challenges they have like how to get on a plane, how difficult that is for them. Yeah. And if pe- the more people that listen to those interviews in particular, the better the world would be because it's made me a better person knowing that those simple things are real challenges and it's prompted me to do LinkedIn posts about accessible travel and I just think the world is getting better in that way because we're all it's like a flow-on effect of these people that we speak to yeah Yeah. definitely and I going on to the um athletes the Paralympians every time I know you ladies have been with me many times when you see someone skiing um with a disability or or who are blind, it just moves me because skiing's hard enough as a full able-bodied person and to to watch these skiers that have a disability or a challenge or, you know, can't see and I just think, oh, my gosh, I can't even ski with two eyes. How do these people do a blind? Like it just is so inspiring. Um, So, yes, I do love listening to Now let's get back to the whole planning of our conversation today is that you know it sounds like it's very hard but really it's it's not that hard because we actually we have got access to a lot of things in our life you know and we can do it easy so I guess yes we yeah we just get out there I think skiing is about most amazing family holiday. I, just, do it. I just think it's an amazing family holiday it brings us together it separates us but then we have the conversation about what you know it's like you can't write up a chairlift without talking you know <laughs> like I remember so, growing up my mum used to say you should learn how to play tennis it's a social skill set you know da 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 and I think no you need to learn how to ski because you can travel the world and just ski and, as you said, talk to people, meet people from around the world, see the most amazing, beautiful sights you will ever, ever see Yeah, just from learning how to ski. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And on that note. Thank you, Agreed. All right. We will catch you. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.